Welcome to Peace After Combat with your hosts, clinical psychologists, Air Force veterans, authors, and spouses to veterans, Dr. Tiffany Tajiri and Dr. Christina Seymour. Learn about the connection between faith, spirituality, and psychology and how to find peace after painful life experiences. Real truths through real talk about real life. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Tiffany Tajiri and Dr. Christina Seymour. Hey, listeners, welcome back. I'm so excited. It's the new year, 2022, and I am believing in so much growth this year, personally, professionally, spiritually, and with my relationships. And I pray that each one of you listening has determined that you are sold out for the plans that God has for your life and the intentions that you have set for yourself, for your relationships with your families. As you all know, I am the spouse of a combat veteran. And I've discussed on this podcast many times about how our faith has gotten us through so much with traumatic experiences in our lives. We're always watching out for new tools, new resources here at Behind the Service. We want to break the stigma of mental health, and that's one of our main focuses in many of the conversations that we have here. And today, I'm coming on to introduce to you our newest podcast host at Behind the Service. I'm super pumped about this. She's agreed to come on board the team to share her expertise with all of you. Dr. Tiffany Tajiri is here with us today. She's a licensed board certified clinical psychologist. She's an U.S. Air Force veteran officer, and there's so much more that I want you to know about her, but I'm going to let her share that with you guys. Dr. Tajiri, Tiffany, welcome to Behind the Service. Thank you so much, Libby. It's such a blessing to be on and just to spread the knowledge about behavioral health, spirituality, the things that I've encountered personally and professionally. I think that I know, in fact, the truth shall set you free as it states in scripture. And that's our goal is to keep it real, speak the truth and talk about psychology and spirituality, bringing those two very important worlds together. Well, I'm so blessed to have you here. Listeners, Tiffany was another one of those divine introductions. Uh, She was introduced to me a few weeks back from the ladies over at Morning Cup of Faith, Brenda and Shelly. Girls, I love you guys so much and I'm beyond grateful for this connection. So thank you. Aren't they great? They are so much fun to be around. They are salt and light. Those two are so anointed. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So you wrote a book and I'm so glad to have you come on and talk about that. It's called Peace After Combat. And that's actually going to be the title of your new series that we're going to be doing here is Peace After Combat. You're going to have a co-host, which I'm super pumped about as well. Dr. Christina Seymour is going to be on the show with you to co-host. So how can our soldiers and their families find Peace After Combat? Is that possible? Yes, absolutely. That is a fantastic question. And that's why there's going to be a whole podcast series all about it. Um, It's not the sort of answer that I can just wrap up in a nutshell. It deserves to be peeled back layer after layer. And that's what we're going to explore. But the reality is, yes, they can. 
peace is so important. And it's our Lord and Savior that brings the peace that surpasses all understanding. And as a licensed and board certified clinical psychologist who has been practicing for well over a decade, and I know Dr. Seymour can attest to it too, truly spiritual peace is the most important thing. And we can tell you with all our years of doing research and all of our years with patients, learning all the types of evidence-based practice that the true peace comes from God. And there is no evidence-based practice out there from cognitive behavioral therapy to eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, cognitive processing therapy and prolonged exposure therapy that can outdo what our Lord and Savior can't. And so that's why, yeah, so that's why I wrote the book, Peace After Combat, Healing the Spiritual, is what I said first, and Psychological Wounds of War. And that's the bottom line. God is love, and we have to find his magnificent love, even in the midst of our pain and suffering, because in that is the peace that surpasses all understanding. I love that. Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything, right? Peace. That gives you the peace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God, and He will bring the peace that surpasses all understanding. Yeah. So, you talk about in the book Science and Faith, or you talk a lot about that, um, about how, like, how they work together to heal the deep psychological wounds of trauma, of war, and it can have such an impact on people's lives. So, many people don't really think like that that would mesh up like science and faith. When you put those two together, do they really make sense? Can you build upon that? And how can people heal through faith? Totally on point. That's an amazing question, Libby. I love it. Thank you so much for asking that. Here's what I tell my service members. Here's what I tell my patients. Here's what I tell audiences when I do public speaking events. The reality, Libby, is that you and I are a series of electrical and chemical impulses. We are science. In fact, we are a magnificent scientific creation. And if you're a believer that God created you and I, and if we are science, then to me, in my own perspective, it's a no-brainer that God created science. I believe that um, science is one of the many miracles of God. And that's one of the ways we can marvel at his greatness, his vastness, all the calculations he's capable of doing in just a breath. It's amazing. And so with that being said, we have to understand foremost that we are a scientific creation, but we are spiritual beings in a scientific body. So we have to understand the spirit. The spirit has to lead all things that we do. And then what follows suit is the soul. It's the psychology of who we are. And the next to follow suit is the flesh. So essentially we're broken down into a trifecta, like the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. We are the spirit, the soul, and the flesh. And truly to understand that we have to understand the science of how we were created, but we have to ground ourselves in God's truth and holding our thoughts captive to Christ and everything that we do to find that peace. For those non-believers out there that struggle with the faith aspect, what do you say to people that don't have faith? For the reality's sake is we as human beings, from how I understand psychology and how I understand science, is that we are neurobiologically wired to love and to be loved. We are created for love, as God would state. We are created for a loving relationship with him. But as you can see through human attachment, we are created for attachment. 
And the thing that brings us joy as human beings is love. Mm-hmm. Love is very spiritual. So if you're a non-believer, that's one thing. But if you believe in love, you believe in something. Mm-hmm. And, and scripture states that God is love and whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Yeah. And relationship is love, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Big one. I feel a lot of our guys lose people. So how do you respond to patients who come back for more and they're asking questions like, where is God at in all of this? Like, why did I have to lose my buddy? What do you say to patients who ask those kinds of questions? Do they do they ask those kinds of questions? Of course, of course. We have to get curious about our faith. There's a part where we do trust in God, but we have to learn about him first and his foundation. He doesn't say just blindly believe that I'm fantastic. No, what we do is we see the proof. We see the proof in people's testimonies. We see it in scripture. We learn it in stories. And and that's how we begin to trust because we see that God has always made a way for us. So yea, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they bring me comfort. And what is deployment? The valley of the shadow of death. And here's the thing. I love scripture, especially John 15, 13, that states there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for that of a friend. So the bottom line is what did Jesus do? He laid down his life. life. Yeah. Right. And through that came freedom and salvation. And in that same vein, so many of our service members, veterans have laid down their lives as well. Whether they're sacrificing their emotional well-being, their physical well-being, we're laying down something for something that is greater than ourselves. And I believe that's love mm-hmm. right? because there is no greater love as it stays in scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and when we look at life from a believer's perspective, we recognize that we are in a spiritual warfare every single day. Who's holding yeah. our thoughts captive? Is it the enemy who comes to still kill and destroy our peace? Or are we holding our thoughts captive to the abundance of Christ, knowing that there is an eternal life, knowing that there is a heaven? So one of the things that I say that really helps my service members, especially our Christians, is Jesus wasn't immune to the pain and suffering of the world. We're not going to be either. But he endured the cross so that we can endure whatever comes our way, right? And where is God in war? He is with you, right? You have to understand in the spiritual realm, in scripture, again, it states that no weapon formed against us will prosper because if you're found in Christ, we are all going to die. That's not our inevitable. That's not our final outcome. Our final outcome is to be the original creation God intended for us to walk in that abundance more than we are now in this flesh and and his blessing that he's giving us now, but there's more, there's heaven. And so helping them understand that it's about that life, that eternal life, we're preparing ourselves now to live in that glory because it's coming. Just as Jesus is living at the right hand of God, scripture says we're joint heirs to the throne. And so when we believe in the spiritual existence, we don't fear so much. We have faith over fear because we know what our end game is. And our end game is the victory, right? Scripture states that it's the Lord's battle and whose victory? Our victory. And one of the big things that I focus on, and we'll talk multiple times, I'm sure, throughout the podcast, especially with Dr. Seymour, since she's a veteran as well. We'll talk about where is God? Is he the author of the bad things? The answer is heck no. 
If it's not love, it's not God. And I do have a special algorithm. We can drop it later today if you want, but we can also save it for the podcast. But there's a special algorithm about love and free will and how God is always the author of the good things. He is the father of heavenly lights and every good and precious gift comes down from him. Mm -hmm. I love that. So I know a lot of our guys are coming back with this moral injury, which soldiers experience a lot of different things in war that the human mind isn't supposed to see, to witness, to be able to do. And so could you talk a little bit about moral injury, what it is, and how it actually presents itself? Yeah, moral injury is slightly more complicated than trauma. It's actually like adding a different layer to it Mm -hmm. um, because it starts playing with our mind in the sense of the things that you see and the things that you may have had to do that are incongruent with your worldview. Moral injury impacts how we view ourselves, others, the world at large, and our faith system. And so such an injury is deep and sustaining. But the reality is when it sounds so simple, but there's so many nuances to it with moral injury. For me, as a Christian psychologist, it's understanding God's truth first and foremost and not letting the enemy take hold of our brain with the should have, could have, and would have. And understanding that even if we may have done ugly things in our lives, that God has already given us that grace, that God has already given us that forgiveness. And that sometimes even with moral injury, whether it's something we did or something we observe, that God gives us grace and that we have to understand that we, we can't be the ones saying, I'm not going to accept God's forgiveness. Who are we to say, I'm not accepting your forgiveness, but we have to accept it and then also give ourselves forgiveness and grace so that we can have peace and then consequently move on with our lives and move forward because we don't want our brains to stay stuck in a position that only promotes death and destruction of our psychological mindset and even our physical health. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's one of the things I would love for you guys to touch on during the podcast. Your podcast is diving into that a lot more to understand it more. Okay, so types of healing of the mind and body. What are some of the types of healing that you've seen or witnessed through the power of belief and faith? What are some ways and types of healing that you have utilized in your practice? I know that you do uh, restore. What is it? Restoration. Rhythm, rhythm restoration. Yes. It's a form of treatment that I created, and we can dive more into that in other podcasts. But the reality is, with rhythm restoration, whenever you just ask God into the equation, two or more are gathered in His name. Wow, the things, the visualizations that he can give to people who are in need of healing, who are feeling torn apart, who are feeling broken. Part of rhythm restoration, like the biggest portion is one faith, but two, visualization, right? Let's say we lost uh, a combat veteran of ours, a battle buddy in combat. So I'll have them visualize the person who is having survivors, you'll have them visualize that person in heaven and just like, the things that they see in their mind's eye, the conversations that they have in their own mind and that visualization with that service member that they lost and, and what they hear and what their message is. It's so amazing. It's to me, it's nothing shy of miraculous. I have been witness to several miracles in my uh, ministry from a behavioral health perspective, a psychological one, all the way to physical. And it's been absolutely amazing. And I've been writing the ministry. Finally, 
I got Pastor Shannon Neiman from Abundant Church to write it with me. She's fantastic. But the reality is, is I was just writing this, this chapter and, and there's a difference. There's all kinds of healing. There's instantaneous, miraculous healing that people call miraculous healing. And there's healing that takes time. And what I was writing when I was doing that chapter about healing was that oftentimes we don't count the slow healing as miraculous. The reality is it's all miraculous, right? There's that instantaneous healing that God can provide in the here and now, right now, that instant. But sometimes we really need to lean in on God, learn about God in order to have a slower progress in our healing as we grow and develop. Because what we learn in that process is gold. It is gold. It is what becomes a force multiplier to how we live our lives in the future when negative things happen, right? Because we're not immune to the suffering of the pain of the world, but it's how we structure our lives and the consequent testimony of that progress. So I believe any form of healing is miraculous, whether it's instantaneous or even if it takes many years of your life. But the reality is, as long as you're surrendering it, for God to work in and through you, that is the key. Yeah. I think a lot of times we want like immediate answers, right? Or immediate restoration as human beings. That's just like human nature to want to everything to be fixed immediately instead of waiting. Yeah, I mean, like now, this day yeah. and age on Amazon and get it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Boom. There it is. Instant gratification. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so to wait for a healing process, but to realize the work that you have to put into it, God gives you all the tools in the Bible. He says, literally in Deuteronomy, I put before you life or death, blessing or cursing. So choose life so that you and your descendants may live. This has a genetic component to it. When he says choose life, he means in everything from how you think, what you allow into your brain, who you interact with what you do, you got to choose life. Yeah. And uh, he tells us from the get go. And, and, and when we have a sort of disorder or maybe an addiction or something we're battling with, we got to choose life. And mm-hmm. when we do that, we can neuroplastically rewire our minds to Christ. Yep. I think it's all in the way that you walk it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So Romans 12, two says, do not copy the patterns and behaviors of this world, but instead transform into a new person by changing the way that you think or by renewing of your mind. It And it takes time, right? Like you said, it takes time to shift from old patterns to new patterns, especially if you're experiencing chronic uh, traumatic experiences or stress, either by abuse, trauma, or war. So what are some practical tools that caregivers and their families, veterans can utilize to begin to start to change those old patterns into new patterns? You know, I think one of the biggest things and the easiest things and a no brainer that many people be like, oh, she's a doctor and she's giving this information. Isn't that a no brainer? It is a no brainer, but nobody's doing it. Yeah. Not everybody, not nobody, but there are people who are, but the reality is we're not doing it enough. That includes me is list your blessings. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a huge one. Go, go as far as list a hundred 
blessings, Mm -hmm. right? From your promotion to your raise, to your children, to your health, to the breath that you're able to take this week. I mean, to the roof over your head, the car that you're driving, the food that you put in your stomach. I mean, there's so many blessings and, and the relationships, the divine connections he's making on a regular basis. And all we focus on is our pain and suffering when all we see that quite literally, if we have blinders to our pain and suffering, we can't see how God's working on our behalf. So we got to get cognitively flexible from a psychological perspective. Then we got to get spiritually flexible and see, Hey Lord, where exactly are you? Let me see all the ways that I've neglected where your fingerprints are on my life. Yeah. Absolutely. You can look around and see the fingerprints on your life on different situations when you start to really look at it. I I was going to say that we had did behind the service had, uh, and Jennifer Ballou, she's the one that does our caregiver coaching corner. We had a 30 day gratitude challenge and where each day we listed things that we're grateful for, the blessings in our life. And by doing that each day for 30 days, that sets a pattern for you where you're like, okay, I'm thankful for this. And it makes you grateful for the things that you do have in your life and the things that maybe you're not thinking about that you really need to be thanking God for that are blessings, like the roof over your head, the food on your table. There's a lot of people that that don't have food on their table. Like a Tri-West or TriCare. And that's like amazing. Mm -hmm. It might not we may not have the best services all the time, but compared to some other people, yeah. it's phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's just so much. It's even stated in positive psychology, but where does it come back from? It comes back from scripture because I think it was Philippians that you were stating earlier, being just for nothing, but through prayer, petition and Thanksgiving, make your request known to God and he will bring the peace that surpasses understanding. But there's a second portion to it. And mm-hmm. the second portion continues. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is worthy, whatever is beautiful, whatever is just, whatever is kind. If there's anything of excellence or praiseworthy, think of such things. Yeah. Or say those things. For instance, if you're talking negative to yourself, it's switching that pattern and talking more positive to yourself, putting positive affirmations up. I've done that in the past all over places. I think that's a great idea. Changing those patterns. Absolutely. And for as a man thinks, for as a woman thinks, so is he or she. Yeah. We got to hold those thoughts captive. Absolutely. In all things. things, Absolutely. So as a spouse of a veteran, I noticed when he came back from combat, I noticed some changes in him immediately when he returned. So he was more isolated. He was more withdrawn. He had that hypervigilance that you see a lot of times it took some time to get back in the rhythm of things and for him to find his footing and his way. It's a lot better now. He's been through a lot of different treatments and therapies. What is some advice that you can give caregivers, families, veterans that may be dealing with the situation in their own home? You know, I think the reality is we got to educate ourselves about what to expect from the very beginning. And we got to prepare ourselves right? We got to do research. What's it like psychologically coming back from deployment so that we have some sort of expectation and we know what the resources are and we know who and what to lean on during that process. And and the reality is as a caregiver, we have that responsibility, but so does our service member. 
what am I getting myself into? What could I see? How can I prophylactically prepare for this? How can I up my faith and belief system before I go? Right? How can I get educated? Because that is absolutely key. And when they return, you just want to give them the opportunity to decompress because for many, it's overstimulating being here in the United States. I remember one time I had a patient and they were talking about or getting ready to deploy. They were talking about, oh, you need to bring color with you. So when what she would do is she would pack um, her sheets and her bedding would be super colorful. I think she had like my little pony, <laughs> but it was so colorful and so bright because the reality is that environment is so austere. The environment is all of drab green, especially if you're going overseas to the sandbox, so to speak. You're not going to see those vibrant colors. Traffic isn't going to be as crazy as it is. So when they come back, they're overstimulated by everything visually, even just the motion and the traffic of people. So different operational tempo altogether. So we got to give them time for their autonomic nervous system, which is the fight or flight system, to recalibrate to being in garrison versus being in the sandbox. We got to give them time. We got to be patient and we got to do things gradually at their pace and not force them just because I haven't seen you. You're living my expectation of what I need in this moment because you've been gone all this time, but rather, okay, you're the one who has to recalibrate. I've been here all along. Let me help you decompress and recalibrate. Let's set our goal for three weeks. We'll work into it and we'll see where you're at three weeks to determine whether or not we need to get additional resources to help you work through whatever you're dealing with. I think that's really good. Giving them time, giving them space to recalibrate for sure. So good. So you co-founded Stand Up and Recovery. Can you talk a little bit about that and why it's so important for us to address our trauma? Because I've heard it said like you have issues in your tissues if you don't figure it out. That is so good. So Stand Up and Recover is a nonprofit that my significant other, my husband and I created together. And what we do is we educate people on trauma. We educate people on resiliency. We educate people on psychology, period, especially the military population. Um, And of course, from a Christian perspective as well. And so our goal is to help people understand how God created them and to learn how to wire their brains to peace, period. So we go out, we educate, we speak, we help kind of consultation, all sorts of things. For example, this podcast would be on that, that agenda of help reaching the masses to help normalize, bring comfort and healing to people and to really let them know that they're not alone. Because when we experience any sort of traumatic event or depression or any behavioral health concern, we think we're alone. We feel ashamed. We don't want to be vulnerable when the reality is we got to be vulnerable because vulnerability takes courage and through vulnerability, it's the birthplace to joy and happiness and eventual restoration and recovery. Amen. I love that. All right, listeners. So I want you to go out and get Dr. Tiffany Tajari's book. It's called Peace After Combat, Healing the Spiritual and Psychological Wounds of War. And you can find that, I'm sure, Amazon and where all books are sold. So go out there and check that out. And Tiffany, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited about this podcast is getting ready to start. And listeners, thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on Peace After Combat, a podcast of Behind the Service with your hosts, Dr. Tiffany Tajiri and Dr. Christina Seymour. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. Follow us on Instagram at Behind the Service Podcast 
or on Facebook at Behind the Service. Thank you for listening to Peace After Combat. <laughs>